Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. I'm your host, Calvin Timms, and you can find me over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin or on the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page, or if you're on the Dynasty FF Reddit page, check me out over there. I do try to be active a little bit on that subreddit as well. So if you guys see me over there, say hi, but if you haven't used it, come check it out. But welcome back. Hope you guys have been having a good week. Uh, I wanted to apologize to you guys first before we kick this episode off. This is going to be my tight end ranking episode, and I was really hoping to get this out earlier, I think like Sunday or Monday of this week, and some stuff has kind of popped up this week where I got a little bit of a cold, and then uh, my wife had to go to the hospital one night for the baby, and uh, everything's okay, everything's all good, but yeah, wrapped up a couple of the nights this week and really kind of ate those up, so wanted to get this out earlier, but again, it's tight end, so... There's not much that's going to change, especially with the uh, the tight end ones. They're very much, there's there's a very clear tier at the very top, and then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot, and it's been that way for a very long time, and it kind of sucks for fantasy because tight end is one of the most fun. Um, like, when you get a good tight end, you just feel so pumped, right? And it's so much fun as a position because they get the block, they get the catch passes they get to do so much on the field and then half the time they're just useless <laughs> for fantasy so it just really sucks because I like the position a lot and like I said the very top tier of these guys is pretty well established so I'm going to be going over my top 12 today just because uh, I know that I gave like the top 25 of my running backs and my wide receivers top 20 quarterbacks but after like the top 12 guys it it is such a crapshoot. It's not even funny. And literally they're all tiers. And one thing that I do want to do right now with my initial rankings, I have not put anybody into tiers. I've kind of just ranked them all uh, one, two, three, four, five, all the way down to 50 for most of the skill positions, 24 for the tight ends, 50 for the quarterbacks. And I don't really like that method as much because when you put guys one over the other, right, there's always like people out there and hopefully you guys aren't that way, but they, they look at these rankings and they just say, well, you have Christian McCaffrey number one and you have Dalvin Cook number four. Why do you hate Dalvin Cook so much? And it's like, I don't hate Dalvin Cook to be Christian McCaffrey's just better. You know, like it, it's, it's tough to, uh, tough to explain it when it's a, rankings like that and when you put guys in tiers yeah you can have your individual rankings inside that tier like for me Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook are both tier one running backs they're both guys that I would love to have on my dynasty roster I just prefer Christian McCaffrey a little bit more than Dalvin Cook I feel like he's safer and when they're in tiers at least you know my top tier of guys so you could get any of my top tier of guys and you'd feel fine with it. So going forward with my next little uh, grouping of rankings that'll be coming out later this year after the NFL draft, I think I'm going to try and put these guys in tiers. And the wide receivers are really, really what kind of put me off on the tier method because they were so close for so many of those wide receivers. And if I had them in tiers, I think I'd be able to kind of differentiate that a little bit better. So just so you guys know, Next time, I will be doing tiers for my rankings, so just something to look out for there. Now, this is Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 55, and 
Man, there's been some crazy stuff. I, I think I covered the, the Matt Stafford trade earlier with my last podcast. I hope I did. Um, I believe I did because I didn't have uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup updated. But, eh, man, this trade market is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. This is going to be probably one of the most chaotic and wild free agencies we've ever seen. And I am all for it. The <laughs> The Raiders are probably the favorites right now to get Deshaun Watson. They're trying to trade Derek Carr for two firsts. Good luck with that. Uh, Good luck. I mean, Nick Foles last year was worth a fourth-round pick. If anybody's going to pay two firsts for Derek Carr, I mean, they probably shouldn't be a GM anymore, in my opinion. He's not very good. He's, he's He's an okay quarterback, right, if you're not trying to win. So, I mean, go ahead. If you if you just need a guy to fill the hole and need a warm body to play quarterback for you, Derek Carr, you could do much worse than him. But if you actually want to win games, anti-clutch Carr over here is not not the guy that you want. And giving up two firsts for that, good, that's insane. That's just crazy. You could go with two firsts. You could go from, like, pick 20 to pick 10 in the NFL draft. So I, there's no chance anybody's going to give up two firsts for Derek Carr. And especially when teams know that they're just going to take those two firsts and buy Deshaun Watson. So if you're giving up two firsts for Derek Carr, why not just go for Deshaun Watson, right? So, yeah, and Carson Wentz is supposedly on the move as well. There's a lot of trade talks heating up over him. Uh, Jameis Winston is being talked about going back to the the uh, Saints. Their head coach, uh, Sean Payton, really wants to bring him back this year. And a real quick tangent that I want to go off, and a little bit of a rant, I guess, to start the podcast, but can we stop listening to what coaches say and taking it for verbatim, you know, like everything that they say is gold when it comes to these players? Sean Payton wants Jameis Winston back. That's great. I want a million dollars. I'm not going to get it just because I want it. Uh, you're not going to be able to keep Jameis Winston because he took a mediocre salary just for the chance at having a starter's role this last year. He wanted to learn behind Drew Brees, have the chance. When Drew Brees went down with broken ribs, you started Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston, who was arguably the better quarterback. Yes, it's Jameis Winston. He has a very high chance of turning the ball over, but, you know, he's probably the better quarterback. You started Taysom Hill over him. Why would he go back to you in the first place? Why would he go back to you and split reps with Taysom Hill? Why would he do that? There's, it makes no sense for somebody who wanted to be a starter. Second, how are you going to pay him? Please, enlighten me, New Orleans. How are you going to pay Jameis Winston? Just because you want Jameis Winston back doesn't mean you're going to get him. And all these fantasy analysts, easy way to tell if an analyst is just out there and they don't actually know what they're talking about Anybody that says Jameis Winston is going to the New Orleans Saints this upcoming year and he's going to be great for fantasy because of that is full of crap, to be honest with you. And, I mean, I'm not going to cover it up. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you because there's so many people in this space, in the fantasy space, that just, they they want to get clicks. They want to get listens. They don't really care about helping people win their titles. And they just want to talk about fantasy football. And I get it, you know, that's why I started the podcast. I love talking about fantasy football, but my whole goal when I started this podcast was to give you guys the honest truth, to cut through all the bullshit that you get on so many podcasts nowadays that are just, they're nonsensical answers where they just bloviate over, oh, Player X is going here and that's going to be great. And then it's nothing like that. 
I fully admit that I am making predictions on where players are going to go in free agency. I have no idea. It's it's so unlikely that I'm going to be able to predict some of them. I'll probably get some of them right. Same as the NFL draft. I don't know how the first round's going to go. You know, it's fun to to predict it, but I always tell you guys when it's a prediction. A lot of these people put it out there like it's fact, and that's like I said, how you know someone's full of crap because anyone who acts like they know anything or the Jameis Winston example is a perfect example. They have no money to pay him. So why would he go play there? First off, first answer that question. From a psychological standpoint, why would he want to go split time with Taysom Hill? And from the second standpoint, why? W- how are you going to pay him? Like, there's no way. They're going to have sh- enough trouble getting under the cap number as it is, you know, and they're $104 million right now at $175 million cap salary cap next year. Supposedly, that's going to go up by $10 million. So, congrats, Saints. You're only uh, $95 million over the cap. So, uh, they have to make up so much work just to get under the salary cap that there's no way that they're going to be able to create enough money to pay Jameis Winston a long-term contract. So, it's not going to happen. Like I said, anybody that says it is has no idea what they're talking about. So, Quick little rant, and I see this so many times right now, and that's the danger of fantasy Twitter, I guess, that it's just hot takes, hot takes, hot takes, and I don't want to be that guy. I never wanted to be that guy. I hated that when I was listening to podcasts. That's why I created this podcast. I wanted to be honest with you guys and tell you specifics. Like, for example, to toot my own horn a little bit here, Joshua Jacobs last year, Josh Jacobs, uh, he was getting so much praise from everybody in the fantasy community. Everybody was driving his price up, saying that he was going to be a top five pick, top five. He's going to finish top five, top five. I was one of the few people who called out Josh Jacobs as being a bust last year because there's no chance that he could return on the value that he was created by the fantasy community. Everything the Raiders did said, we're not going to use him in the passing game. Everything they said to the media said, oh yeah, we're going to use him in the passing game. But every single action that they did in the offseason said that they were not going to use him in the passing game. You just follow what the teams do, not what they say, and you're a lot better off in fantasy, especially when it comes to the prediction game, right? So again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn too much. I will say I got that one completely right, but there's plenty that I've missed on. And I'm not I'm not an oracle. I can't see the future, but I always tell you guys, like I said, when it's a prediction and I don't try to I don't try to just say things for clicks or hot takes. Hopefully you guys find my content enjoyable enough that you want to come back and listen to every single episode, but I would be doing you guys a disservice if I just said things to get you guys interested, right? And if I'm having a fun one, like I think later this week I'm going to be doing a mock draft episode as I kind of finish up my rankings for part two of all my rankings episodes, I'm going to be doing a mock draft and that's going to be total BS. I have no idea how the first round's going to go. Like I said, I'm not an Oracle. I don't know. There's going to be trades that you can't predict and everyone has different big boards. You'd have to have a person in every single team's scouting department to be able to compile a probably even 50% prediction for the first round of the NFL draft. And that even then, that's still unlikely because you don't know which GMs are calling which GMs to trade and drop back and things like that. So it's almost impossible to predict it. And 
I'm just going to have some fun with it this week because I've been wanting to put out a mock draft all all offseason, but I've been waiting, and that's completely for fun. But I'm not going to just come out here and say, oh, yes, it's 100% that, uh, that Justin Fields is going to the Carolina Panthers at 8. We have no idea. So, like I said, you can tell who's kind of uh, pushing that just for popularity on Twitter. Be careful of it. Uh, it's fine. It's fun in games, but... There's people that try to make a lot of money off of this just by putting out a lot of hot takes. So just be careful about that. Um, now, anyway, rant over. Thanks for thanks for putting up with that. Like I said, today's going to be a tight end rankings episode for part one of my rankings. And it's probably going to be a shorter episode just because, oh, tight end, tight end. It's so blah. The top tier guys here, it's so much fun, but it's... Yeah, it's it's a nasty position. It we really need to see more of these guys break out. It's just they're never utilized by these teams, and that's what really sucks. But anyway, so let's jump into it. Number one, it's a very clear and obvious Travis Kelsey after the season that he's put up this year and the last like four years combined. Travis Kelsey is by far the consensus tight end one for Dynasty right now, even though he's gonna be 32 next season. We've seen tight ends play until they're 35, 36 with pretty relative ease, and I'm not concerned about that at all. I mean, we saw multiple guys play until they're into their late 30s. So the fact that uh, that Travis Kelsey is still performing at a high level and he's been doing it for multiple years in a row hasn't shown any sign of decline yet. He's still my number one guy. I can see the argument. For George Kittle, who's my tight end too, and it's because he's so much younger, right? Where George Kittle broke the receiving record last year for tight ends, Travis Kelsey then broke it this year for the tight end. So those two are really neck and neck, and the only real upside that Kittle has over Kelsey is just his injury history. But what Kelsey has over Kittle is consistency, and he plays every single week. He's on the field every single week, and He almost never gets hurt where Kittle's got a little bit of an injury history. So I really just have Kelsey up there because he's got a massive ceiling and a massive floor. So you can't get any safer than than Travis Kelsey, but George Kittle is very, very close. Now, number two, George Kittle with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. He is very, very talented. The only thing with the Niners right now that kind of is concerning, I guess, is they're really looking for a a new quarterback. They want to be done with Jimmy Garoppolo, and nobody knows what they're going to be doing for a quarterback. Supposedly, from a lot of different sources, Kyle Shanahan does not want a rookie quarterback. He doesn't want to deal with grooming them. He doesn't want to deal with training them and teaching them up, Uh, but it might be their best option. So let's just look at the free agent market and the available guys that are, are open for trade, right? And looking at the free agent market, you got who? Jameis Winston, you got Dak Prescott, you got Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is kind of interesting with Kyle Shanahan if he can open up his mobility with him. Dak Prescott or Jameis Winston landing with San Francisco would be a, an instant fantasy success, in my opinion. Even if Jameis kind of turns the ball over a ton, He's still got amazing weapons to throw to, an amazing offensive line, and an amazing offensive coordinator head coach that will scheme everything open for him. So 
if they can get Dak or Jameis, that would be amazing. Now, if they went and got Kirk Cousins, like the rumors that have been circulating this week, or Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson, again, I think that George Kittle is going to be just fine. All three of those guys love to target the tight end. Uh, Jameis Winston is the only one that doesn't really have a big history of targeting the tight end, but it's hard to say whether that was him or whether it was O.J. Howard kind of busting out of the NFL. So for George Kittle, that's the only guy that I could see it possibly being a little bit of a downturn for him, but all five of the other guys would love George Kittle. He would be possibly in the argument for tight end one just because of how much those guys love the tight end position. But if let's, for example, say that they do end up trading up in this year's draft and going for a quarterback pretty high in the draft. Oh man, it's tough to say which of the quarterbacks would actually be very good for the Niners because we don't know their tendencies too well. Uh, We know kind of who these guys are coming out of college, but you can never tell what they're going to do in the NFL until you kind of see it on the field a little bit. Because college systems are so rudimentary and basic that you can't really tell where they're going to go, what their preferences are going to be. So if they go with a rookie quarterback, it does make me a little nervous about George Kittle and his uh, short-term future. Long-term, like I said, George Kittle is a monster. He's extremely talented. So from a long-term standpoint, I'm not worried at all. But short-term, if they got a rookie guy, I would be a little bit concerned. You could... (laughs) You could try to shortstop the uh, George Kittle stocks here and, uh, and and sell him high right now before the uh, before the rookie quarterback came in and then try and buy him back after his down year. But I wouldn't recommend that. It's always risky. So uh, <laughs> George Kittle, though, number two guy. Only downside with George Kittle, again, is his quarterback situation could be a little bit in flux. And that is a little nervous makes me a little nervous for the short term but he's also got a little bit of an injury history as well he's got a few injuries uh missed a few games over the last couple years but when he plays man he is a dominant dominant force now number three for me is going to be uh Darren Waller and Darren Waller is just so good for PPR because all my rankings are for full PPR sorry I didn't clarify that again but Tight end is going to be the same. It's been the same for for all the running backs and wide receivers. And for PPR, full PPR, Darren Waller is just unstoppable, man. He gets so many targets for a tight end. It's just not even funny. I think he had over 100 targets last year. I just want to check real quick. Yeah, in 2020, he had 146 targets. Targets, 107 receptions. He is the wide receiver one for that team. It's insane. So both years, back-to-back years, he's had twelve, almost 1,200 receiving yards. It's just kind of crazy. So with that volume that he's getting, and everyone was really concerned about him in 2020, and this is why he's solidified himself as my tight end three in Dynasty. Uh, they drafted two rookie wide receivers that are very talented, brought in Nelson Aguilar as well. Uh, the two rookies were Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. And they had a okay receiving core already with Hunter Renfro. Um, and I forget their other guys. Man, it's been a while. Uh, Tyrell Williams, that's another guy. Uh, Zay Jones, Keelan Doss. They're, they're not very exciting guys, but the fact that uh, 
Darren Waller was so dominant, even with so many options at the wide receiver position, it just makes him a true stud. And John Gruden has shown this in the past where he does know how to scheme up a tight end. So Darren Waller, with the volume that he gets, is my number one guy. My only concern is with Darren Waller that if that volume number does come down at any point, he could massively regress and kind of hurt you. But as of right now, I don't see how it's going to happen. I mean, he's just, he's so dominant on the field and John Gruden loves him. And when you're a John Gruden guy, there's nothing he won't do for you. So Darren Waller, tight end three for me, and it's not even close uh, between him and Mark Andrews, who's number four. And I know that I say that it's not close, but for me, it's it's definitely a tier of three guys. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Darren Waller. My second tier is going to be uh, Mark Andrews, and it, he's in a tier of his own. There's there's nobody else with him right now. And Mark Andrews is just amazing because of his touchdown pos- potential and the fact that Baltimore is very inconsistent in the passing game but the fact that Lamar Jackson loves to go to the tight end position, if Mark Andrews ever plays like 75% of snaps, man, he's going to be a, a stud because he just gets so many targets for that team as a percentage of the total targets for the team. So Mark Andrews, he is a big play guy. He's very athletic and he's extremely young. He's only 24 years old right now. There's a lot of upside with Mark Andrews, and if they ever do try to figure out that passing game and that passing attack for Lamar Jackson, he's someone that could definitely see a big spike up in his value. So that's why he's definitely in my second tier, the number four overall tier of his own, because he has a lot of potential and a lot of upside, but he is limited right now because of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens passing attack. It's just not very consistent week to week. And we saw that two years ago, when Lamar Jackson was killing it and cooking really well, Mark Andrews was, I think, like tight end one or tight end two. And then last year, their passing game really fell back a little bit, regressed quite a bit. And Mark Andrews finished, I think, pretty pretty well. Uh, I think it was like fourth overall. So it, it wasn't anything like terrible, but, you know, it, it was just not what we kind of expected after his amazing 2019 season. So, um, yeah, he was a very good player, very young, and he's only going to get better with time. All right. Number five for me is going to be TJ Hawkinson. And I got a little bit of a mini tier here of three guys. Um, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant and Dallas Goddard, they're going to be my five, six, and seven. And they're my, their their own tier here. And TJ Hawkinson's the number one guy. Jared Goff has shown a, a love of the tight end position. And I know that everyone's very down on the Lions after the trade, but I think that Jared Goff is going to be just fine for fantasy. Uh, I don't think he's going to kill these guys. And the fact that the Lions have no wide receivers on their roster right now is a huge bump up for TJ Hawkinson, in my opinion, because they need someone to catch the ball. And that's why I love DeAndre Swift a lot right now, and I love TJ Hawkinson. They have to throw him to these guys. TJ Hawkinson also is only 23 years old. He's extremely young, and he was by far the best tight end of that class. They called him Baby Gronk, but they kind of call all big, athletic, white guys Baby Gronk at this point. 
Um, but of all the guys over the last few years who they've called Baby Gronk, TJ Hawkinson was actually like, from a profile standpoint, the miniature version of Gronkowski because he is a massive blocking threat in the run game and he is a massive receiving threat down the seam, just like Gronk was. So we've seen flashes of TJ Hawkinson and we do got to remember, this is going to be his third year coming up and these tight ends take a couple years. Everyone expects them to be a stud right out the gate. And I think Evan Ingram kind of really spoiled people because everyone has such a redraft mindset when it comes to dynasty nowadays, where it's infected it a little bit, in my opinion, that you want production in year one, otherwise you're ready to move on. And that's kind of creeped into the actual NFL a little bit here. Like uh, the Dolphins should not be getting rid of Tua. It's only his second year. Let the kid develop a little bit, but everyone wants instant results and if you don't get them move on but tight end is a notoriously tough position to learn and especially for TJ Hawkinson because he's used in the blocking game so much that he has extra plays to learn and things like that now he's going to have a whole new system with new head coach new offensive coordinator but I think that he's going to be able to uh, make a good step forward in year three that's usually when we see these tight ends really start to break out a little bit and I think that TJ Hawkinson is a prime breakout candidate for this year. Right behind him is fellow Iowan Noah Fant with Denver, and Noah Fant was not a blocking tight end. He was a much more Evan Ingram-esque type of tight end where he's a down-the-field receiving threat, but he's not really a blocker, kind of like a, a worse Travis Kelsey, if you will. And Noah Fant is... Very, very scary in the passing game. And he's with a guy who loves to target the tight end with Drew Locke. Again, Denver has a little bit of a a unknown around the quarterback position. And what they're going to do with that is up in the air at this point. There's been talks about them targeting Deshaun Watson, some of these other guys moving up in the draft to draft uh, someone like Justin Fields or Trey Lance. But Yeah, it's tough to say what's going to happen with Dallas and their quarterback position. But similar to uh, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant has shown the flashes of what would be an amazing tight end for fantasy football. He just hasn't been consistent. And that's, to be honest with you, that's the problem with most of these guys. Most of these tight ends, they're just not consistent week to week. Where someone like Kelsey Kittle, uh, Darren Waller, what makes them so elite is their consistency week to week. They don't kill you on a down week. Now, these guys right here, I think, have the most potential to probably give you a higher floor. Darren, uh, Mark Andrews is the reason why he's in his own tier is because his ceiling is extremely high. He's a touchdown monster, but he has a little bit of a low floor just because of the Baltimore Ravens, right? But all three of these guys, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and Dallas Goddard, they have the potential for an extremely high floor and just maybe a little bit of a limited ceiling because of their offensive situation. So Noah Fant, again, he's very talented. I want to see what he can do. He's the same age as TJ Hawkinson, only 23, third year. Hopefully he breaks out a little bit, same as TJ this year, and I am excited to see that. So we'll see how that kind of progresses, but yeah, very clearly the number six for me for the tight end position. Uh, Number seven, same tier as these other guys, Dallas Goddard. And again, 
he's someone that we've seen flashes from. He love they they love to use him in Philly. Uh, he's coming with a new head coach this year, Nick Sirianni, and talk about a, a terrible press conference. I feel bad because everyone was ragging on Nick Sirianni after that press conference, and if anyone's had to do public speaking, <laughs> I feel so bad for this guy because it's exactly what would have happened to me. I remember for my senior year of college when I was uh, graduating, they we had to do a senior project, right? And our senior project, to be a little nerdy for you guys, was we had to design a steel bridge, build it, and it had to hold a certain amount of load across the bridge and before it broke and all this stuff. And we did all this and we had to present the results and the calculations to all of our peers, right? And all of our teachers and uh, parents and all that stuff. And (laughs) I hate public speaking. And that's part of the reason why I started this podcast, right? Because I'm so bad about public speaking. But I was in the middle of that presentation and I had practiced it so many times. I knew everything that I had to say and I lost my train of thought and my mind went blank and I freaked out. I was just starting to like, oh no, oh no, what was my line? What was my line? And like, after you forget it, like even though it was probably like two seconds, everyone said that it wasn't even that noticeable. People did notice, don't get me wrong. But for me, in my mind, time like stopped and <laughs> When you start going down and you don't know what to say, it's just it can it can easily spiral out of control, right? So that's why I feel so bad for Nick Sirianni. A little tangent here, but man, everyone just ragging on the guy. Like so many people are just in this industry that are okay or good public speakers, you know. But for people who aren't amazing public speakers, it, that is like my my nightmare. What happened to him? So. Uh, again, I feel for the guy, but he's coming from Indianapolis and he was the wide receivers coach over there. Um, I think that they're going to be using Dallas Goddard just the same as they did before. Uh, Indy loved to target the tight end position. Uh, that's a, that's just a system that Frank Reich got from Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni seems to do the same thing. So, I think that Dallas Goddard is going to be just fine from a floor perspective. His ceiling might take a little bit of a hit. Uh, it depends on who's quarterback. We don't really know what Jalen Hurts likes to target. He had a very good stretch at the end of the season, but there was a couple games with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, and and it was just a very weird end of the year. Then uh, Jalen Hurts got pulled in that Week 17 game, and it was just kind of all over the place. So we didn't really get to see what, Jalen Hurts was going to prioritize on the offense. Um, This team's definitely going to be adding some more wide receivers, either in free agency or the draft this year. And I think that it's going to limit, like I said, Dallas Goddard's ceiling. But I think that the coach and the quarterbacks will elevate him enough to have a very high and safe floor this upcoming season. So he's number seven for me. Again, same tier as TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Now, keeping on rolling here. My next tier of guys is three guys here. And for me, tight end eight is going to be Kyle Pitts. And he is a rookie tight end. We don't know where he's going to land yet, but wherever he goes, I don't care. Kyle Pitts is one of the best tight ends I've seen come out of college in a long time. A long time. This kid is so electric. Go watch any of his highlights 
any of his like not even his highlights, just his regular plays where he's just doing just random things on the field. It doesn't even have to be a highlight superstar play. The kid is just so talented, man. And I am super excited to see where he lands this year. I don't think it's going to change my ranking too much. The only thing it's going to do is potentially put him up there with Mark Andrews because this kid, if he goes to the right spot, is going to be a stud, man. He he is someone... So if you don't know who Kyle Pitts is, like I said, go check out his tape and his highlights. But he is someone who can go out there, catch the ball with relative ease. He's <laughs> He's basically a slot wide receiver, a massive slot wide receiver for Florida is where he played. And he also has the ability to block pretty well. He's not the best blocker. That's probably the weakest part of his game, uh, but he can do it just fine. And the fact that he can do whatever he wants on the offensive side for a receiving threat, goodness, whoever gets him is going to use him like a weapon I've seen a lot of people saying that the uh, Carolina Panthers are going to take him at eight. He's supposedly, according to most people, when they rank their actual players for the draft, he's a top five player for a lot of people on their big boards, but it's a tight end, so he's probably going to fall a little bit. I currently have him going to the Los Angeles Chargers, who's going to be replacing Hunter Henry, who's also in this tier, but... Hunter Henry's going to be walking away, and they're going to need a tight end. And why not build around Justin Herbert with an amazing option at tight end? So I think that uh, Kyle Pitts is someone that's going to be landing in an amazing spot, and he's going to be a fantasy stud quicker than most. I know it usually takes about three years for these guys to break out, but I think that uh, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be possibly an exception to that rule. Maybe not year one, but year two for sure. I think wherever he lands, he's going to be a superstar. So he's right now my tight end eight. Now, in the same tier as him, I've got Hunter Henry at nine, and this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Hunter Henry is an actually really talented guy. He's pretty young, too. He's only 26 years old. Got a whole contract under his belt of experience. He's someone who's been reliable for fantasy. He's got kind of a limited ceiling, but... He's going to be a free agent. We don't know where he's going to land. My money's on New England. The fact that uh, he had a probably half an hour conversation with Bill Belichick on the field after they played the uh, New England Patriots and the, the Los Angeles Chargers played their game later in the season. They talked on the field for half an hour after that game. And there's no way in hell that Hunter Henry's not going to be the perfect slot option for <laughs> to fill the hole that the New England Patriots have at basically their entire offensive skill position, right? Our offense needs wide receivers. It needs tight ends. It needs a quarterback. We need a little bit of help on the offensive line. It's just everything on the offensive side of the ball needs a little bit of help. And Hunter Henry will fill a massive hole on that side of it. So there's no way that he's not going to end up in New England. I'll almost put my stamp on that. Um, It just, there's too much that, lines up for it. Now, Hunter Henry, if he does land in New England, it's a little sketchy because we don't know who the quarterback would be, right? But let's say Hunter Henry goes somewhere else, right? Where, let's say it's uh, somewhere like, I don't know, 
uh, Chicago, they might bring in another another tight end, or Indianapolis would be a great example. They need a tight end option. They're losing Trey Burton and Mo Ali Cox to free agency this year. What if they decided to make a pretty big offer to Hunter Henry? If he went there, again, that coach loves to use the tight end position. Um, we do know that Josh McDaniels loves to target the tight end as well, so either option I think would be just fine for fantasy. So Hunter Henry is going to go wherever he wants to and wherever he lands is going to be a great fantasy option. He's shown that ability for a high floor. It's just somebody that needs to target the position. I don't know if Hunter Henry has that burst anymore that he used to have. He's had a couple of injuries over his career so far with the Chargers. And to me, it's kind of looked like he's lost a little bit of a that explosive burst. But Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I I watched a few of the Chargers games this year, and it was just so much fun to watch him with like uh, Justin Herbert. But every time he kind of just ran out there, got his yards, got his catch, and then went straight down. He didn't really have any after the catch terror that he put in the defense. So I don't know. That's the only thing that kind of concerns me a little bit with Hunter Henry. I don't know if he has that after the catch dominance that he kind of showed when he first entered the NFL. So. We'll see where he ultimately ends up, but yeah, I think that his high floor is going to be amazing for the tight end position. Now, number 10 for me is going to be Evan Ingram, and these are all the same tier. Kyle Pitts, Hunter Henry, and Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is a great pass-catching tight end when he catches the ball, and that's kind of a joke, but his drop rate is just out of this world. He drops so many balls, and it just kills you because not only does it not count as a catch for him, right, which is points, but it also usually kills the drive, which is a double whammy because it ultimately takes him off the field. So not only does it not let him continue the drive, getting more points, but it just, yeah, it's it's a double hit and it just really sucks. And according to Player Profiler, which is a great resource for some of this efficiency information, um, if you guys haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend it. But last year in 2020, Evan Ingram had a 9.2% drop rate, which is just fourth overall. That's insane, man. He really needs to get that hands figured out because if he can start catching more of those balls, oh, he could be so good. But yeah, it just kind of stinks. Uh, he's got a little bit of a mental block, it seems like. And until he gets better about that, He's kind of limiting himself in fantasy. But this could be the year. He is still very, very young. I don't want to write him off completely just yet. We've seen the flashes from Evan Ingram. He's the first tight end that came out as a rookie and really performed for fantasy. And I get it that there's context around it that Odell and uh, I think it was Brandon Marshall at the time, they were both out for the entire season. Um, They had nobody else to throw the ball to. Sterling Shepard missed a few games that year as well. So they had nobody else to target on that offense, but Evan Ingram stepped up as a rookie when they needed him to. I think that he can do it again. He just needs to get that mental block out of his head. So that's why he's at number 10 for me because he's very boomer bust right now. It just depends if he kind of has a good game or not. And to be honest with you, a little bit of his too is Evan Ingram, or not Evan Ingram, Daniel Jones, sorry. Because Daniel Jones has also that little bit of a inconsistency streak that we've seen through the first couple of years. And Daniel Jones is very young as well. He's 
only on his third year in the NFL. So before we kill Daniel Jones too much, just remember that it is possible that he can develop over time. Again, this isn't redraft. We need to give these guys a little bit of time to develop. And Daniel Jones has shown some flashes, but at the same time, he's shown a lot of negatives as well. So we'll see if he can continue to develop as he goes forward. I mean, everyone was ready to write off Josh Allen after two years, but I mean, he's just steadily improved every single year. So there's no reason to think that Daniel Jones couldn't do it as well. So uh, Evan Ingram and Daniel Jones, if they can figure it out and get a little bit more consistent on the field, these guys could be great options for fantasy. So Evan Ingram at 10 overall. Again, he's in the same tier as Evan Ingram, uh, Hunter Henry, and Kyle Pitts. These are guys with potentially high ceilings, but a little bit of a risk as well. So um, number 11 for me, number 11 and number 12 are going to be Irv Smith and Janu Smith. So the Smiths. (laughs) Um, And Janu Smith is number 12, sorry, number 11 is going to be Irv Smith. And this is all very much contingent on the fact that Kirk Cousins stays with the Minnesota Vikings because Irv Smith really started to break out at the end of last year. He's from the same draft class as uh, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. So this is going to be year three for Irv Smith. And again, like I keep reiterating, it takes about three years for these tight ends to really start to break out for fantasy. So another guy that he started to show flashes at the end of year two, which is great for his, if you continue that into year three. So we'll see if he can continue that. Honestly, it all depends on whether or not the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins. So if they move on from Kirk Cousins, this might drop Irv Smith a little bit because Kirk Cousins does like to target the tight end position. He's done it his whole career. It was uh, it was Jordan Reed in Washington, and then it was Kyle Rudolph with Minnesota when he first came over here. So he likes to target the tight end, and Irv Smith has a very, very open path in front of him if he can just kind of seize on it. But I need to see a little bit from him before I'm a, I'm ready to commit to it. But Irv Smith, I definitely think is worth a top 12 ranking for me. Um, he's someone that I think that could definitely have a lot of long-term potential. And Jonu Smith is another guy. We've seen the flashes, but the the fact that Jonu and uh, the Titans are just very much, they're, they're so unpredictable. Jonu Smith has shown games where he should have been a monster stud, but instead Anthony Ferkser came out and just killed it and stole all his targets. But Anthony Ferkser is a free agent. Jonu Smith is also a free agent. I think that they're going to bring back Jonu Smith, let Corey Davis walk. That's my anticipation right now. But if Jonu Smith does ultimately go somewhere else, again, similar to Hunter Henry, he's going to have his pick of the litter. So It'll, it might impact his his draft stock a little bit here, but we'll see how his ranking falls after the free agency, after the NFL draft. But yeah, Johnny Smith definitely has a wide open path in front of him. If you could combine him and Anthony Ferkser's points for last year, you would have a stud tight end option. But the fact that they split them was just kind of what killed killed the position for fantasy. So I want to see what happens with it just being one of those two guys. I think Johnny is definitely more than talented enough. And before I get the hate, you know, because I gave my top 12 and the biggest guy missing, I already know who people are going to say, Robert Tanyan, why is he not up there? 
because he was such a stud with Aaron Rodgers this last year. Robert Tanyan is a free agent. He's never done anything before this year, so I want to either see him re-sign with Green Bay before I modify my rankings to have him, and he is at 13 for me, just FYI, for everybody that's going to try and kill me over it, but Robert Tanyan is at 13 right now for me. I need to see him re-sign with the Green Bay Packers. If he does, he's going to definitely move up. He'll probably be in the same tier as TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and Dallas Goddard. He'll be up there around 5-8 to eight for me because Robert Tanyan was extremely good for fantasy. But if he's a free agent and he walks or he goes to a new team, I don't trust this guy. He's never shown anything with anybody else before this until this year. So that is why Robert Tanyan is down here a little bit lower. Please don't kill me for that. So just wanted to clarify that. Now, like I said, the reason why this podcast was coming out a little bit later, uh, I did have a little bit of a cold. I'm still kind of recovering from that a little bit. So I'm going to call it here tonight. I just wanted to get my top 12 out there for you guys um, and keep rolling on the rest of my rankings. Hopefully that I'll be able to get over this cold and shake the rest of this cold before the next podcast starts because I'm just kind of feeling the effects after talking for this long. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to wrap it there. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the Super Bowl. Like I said, I think later this week, um, either Saturday, probably Saturday, I'm going to record a mock draft episode and put that out before the Super Bowl. Um, But we'll see how that goes. But thank you guys again for listening. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. A wrap to the 2020 season. You can hit me up with who you think is going to win the game. My money is on Tampa Bay. I just think that Tom Brady is going to win it at home. You can't bet against Tom Brady. So uh, my money is on Tampa. We'll see who ultimately pulls it out. But hopefully you guys have a good time. Let me know who you guys think over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin or on the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. I really, really do. So thank you guys. Have a good weekend and have a good night. Thank you.